0: Welcome and make family and friends to our communion worship service for the month of March. It's been a year since this invisible enemy has prevented us from meeting together physically, but nothing can keep us from worshiping God together in spirit. For the church is not confined to the four walls of a building, but the church is you and me, coming together as we are doing now. So let us not grow weary in meeting together, as we long for the day that we will together worship God face to face in heaven. As our worship leader, Sister Pam, leads us in singing Give Me Jesus, let us join her as a way to prepare our hearts not only to worship God, but also to listen to what he wants to say to us today.
1: When I rise
0: More than 500 years ago, on the 19th of February, the year 1519, Spanish explorer Hernando Cortes set sail across the Atlantic Ocean in order to conquer Mexico. He brought with him 553 soldiers, 110 sailors on 11 ships. The indigenous or native Mexican population at the time was 5 million. So just imagine, Cortes had only 663 men, and they were up against 5 million natives. The odds of victory were 7,540 is to 1. And not only the odds, Two previous expeditions before Cortes had failed to even establish a Spanish settlement in the New World. Yet, Hernando Cortes was able to conquer not only Mexico, but much of the entire South American continent. What made the difference? What did Hernando Cortes do that was different from the previous expeditions? This is the difference. Upon landing in Mexico, Cortes ordered his men to burn all their eleven ships. As the soldiers and the sailors watched their fleet of ships burn and sink before their very eyes, they come to the realization that retreat was not an option. There's no turning back from this point on. Yes, the opposition was great but without an option to retreat, they know they have to fight to the very end. You know, brothers and sisters, there are some decisions in life that are like that, and following Jesus is one such example. Many of you are familiar with the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Once you have decided to follow Jesus, You must go all in because discipleship takes total commitment. There is no option to turn back. I know some of you, when you have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, it, it was not easy for you. You have faced opposition from your own family. There are others of you who may have been persecuted by neighbors or friends or people that you work with. Following Jesus is all or nothing. There's no such thing as half-hearted discipleship. Our theme for this year is discipling the nations, finishing the mission. And for the past few Sundays, we have looked at the different features or key characteristics of essential disciple making. First, we learned that it must be authentic And we learned this from Rev. Eugene last week. We also learned that, second, it must be intentional, as Pastor Danny showed us. And third, it must be loving. Love must be the motivation behind, as Rev. Julius shared with us. Today, we will look at the fourth key or the fourth characteristic in disciple-making, and that is commitment. Our passage today can be found in 1 Kings chapter 19 and also in 2 Kings chapter 2. Yes, you heard me right. 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Often when we think of discipleship, we think of Jesus and the New Testament. But the concept of discipleship actually runs throughout the entire Bible. Though not mentioned in name, discipleship can already be found even in the Old Testament. Certain prophets had disciples who contributed to the success of their ministry, Jeremiah and Baruch. In Isaiah 8, verse 16, we are told that the prophet Isaiah has his own disciples. We also have the disciples of the prophet Samuel. So discipleship is not a concept that started with Jesus Christ. Discipleship is God's plan for every believer through all times. In every generation in Luke chapter 9 when someone came to Jesus and said that he would follow him wherever he goes Jesus made this statement no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God where did that idea come from what was Jesus referring to The disciples would have understood exactly what Jesus meant when he said that because they would have been instantly reminded of the story from the old testament a story that we will look at today our story has two main characters Elijah with a j and Elisha with an s Elijah is the teacher the mentor the decider. Elisha is the student, the disciple, the mentor, the mentee, I mean. So, Elisha is the disciple of Elijah. Now, let me give you the context of the story. This happened during a dark period in the history of Israel, when Ahab was king with his wife Jezebel, and both of them were extremely wicked or evil. For they had led the people of God into all sorts of idolatry and immorality, primarily the worship of the Canaanite rain god or fertility god called Baal. So God raised up the prophet Elijah to confront the false prophets of Baal and to call out the idolatry and wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel. We would remember Elijah as the one who called down fire from heaven in his confrontation with the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He also called forth rain in order to end the drought. After Elijah had done everything that God has called him to do, it was now time for him to pass the mantle or pass the baton on to a new prophet, which is what we will read in 1 Kings chapter 19. In this chapter, God told Elijah to anoint Elisha as his successor, to train, to mentor, to disciple him so that he will carry on his ministry when God will take him back to heaven. Here we can see that it is God's plan to anoint Elisha, it is not Elijah's plan. To disciple Elisha is God's plan. It is a divine appointment. It is a divine calling. Same thing. It is God's desire. It is part of his plan for you to be discipled. Discipleship is God's plan for every believer. That those who have gone ahead should disciple and train those who would come after. And that's where our story picks up today. So he, Elijah, went and found Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Some things to notice here. First, the name Elisha means God saves or God is salvation. So we can say that Elisha probably grew up in a family that believed and worshipped the one true God. Second, we don't know elijah's exact age at this point but at best we can tell he's somewhere between 18 and 25 years old third the story tells us elijah found him in the field plowing meaning he's a farmer with 12 yoke of oxen okay one yoke of oxen is a pair of oxen meaning he owns 12 pairs of oxen that's twenty-four oxen. A middle-class family in that day probably had one pair of oxen at the most because that's all you need to plow a small piece of land. Elijah's family had twelve pairs, so Elijah most probably came from a well-to-do, from a rich family. And this also tells us that they probably had a big piece of land to need that many oxen to plow. This means he not only had many oxen, but he also had much land. And not just land, because we can see in another passage that Elisha lived in Abel-Mehola, which was known as the breadbasket of Israel at that time. It was a fertile piece of land right next to Jordan River, a prime agricultural area that is probably expensive real estate. Putting all this together, we realize that Elisha was wealthy. Land, oxen, expensive property, he had it all. Reminds us of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. Elisha had a successful business that could possibly sustain him for life. Well, until That moment when Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Ten words that would turn everything in his life upside down. Elijah, the prophet, passed by, took his cloak and put it on Elisha. Now, what is the significance of this? The mantle or the cloak or the coat as you would prefer to call it, is a symbol of Elijah's power and authority as a prophet of God. During Old Testament times, the casting of a cloak is a form of invitation. It is an honor to become a follower of the person who casts or who owns the cloak. So the act of putting the cloak on Elijah simply means, follow me as I have chosen you to be my disciple. Come." Follow me." And it's the same meaning as when Jesus would call his 12 disciples. And we see Elijah's response in verse 20. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Normally, when we make such a big decision in life, especially one that concerns our future, we would probably take some time to think about it. Carefully consider the pros and the cons before we decide. But Elisha did none of those. He didn't ask any questions. He did not deliberate or contemplate, did not dilly-dally. Elisha ran after Elijah. You know, the call to discipleship is a call to choose. And Elisha chose to follow true disciples immediately respond to the call and make a decision to follow God why because true disciples recognize the eternal worth of following Jesus Christ just like the man in Jesus parable in Matthew chapter 13 when he found a pearl of great price he went at once and sold all that he had and brought that pearl You know, even Elijah was surprised by Elisha's response. He told him, go back again, for what have I done to you? This sounds a little weird. But what Elijah meant here was, this is not my idea. This is God's idea. I'm just being obedient to him. He is the one who called you. So it is up to you to respond to God. Do whatever he calls you to do. Elisha simply asked for some time to cut all his ties and put his matters in order. Now, let's look at what he did. Next verse. Elijah took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I want you to imagine what had just happened. Elisha had just killed his oxen, generously gave it away to people in need, and he sacrificed not just the oxen but also the yokes of the oxen, the plowing instruments that he had been using in farming. Did you realize what he just did? He used the yokes to start a fire, cooked the oxen, gave it to others, and left in order to follow Elijah. What is the significance of this? Elisha made sure na wala na siyang babalikan pa. He burned all the bridges to his past before following Elijah. For him, there was no turning back, just like what Hernando Cortes did when he burned all their ships. That's how committed Elisha was to follow God. Today, it's like a person who has a successful and growing business and he sells everything and gives away all the proceeds in order to follow Jesus Christ. Remember the rich young ruler three weeks ago? He's the exact opposite of Elisha. But Jesus reminds us, you cannot serve both God and money. And just like that, Elisha cut all the ties with everything he possessed, his business, his family, His entire way of life, by burning his ships, there is nothing that will hold him back from following God. You know, this is so different from the way we would normally act, isn't it? This is so different from the way the rich young ruler responded. Most of us, we would rather keep our options open, right? Maybe we should first discuss this with our family, in which they may try to talk some sense into us before we leave everything behind. Then, if we will insist on going, at least keep the oxen and the equipment. So just in case things don't work out with Elijah, we will have something to come back to. But no, Elijah says, I'm risking it all to follow God. He literally burns his entire business cooks his entire future for dinner. He says goodbye to everything he knows and everything he loves in this world. He says goodbye to comfort, to convenience. You know the call to discipleship is a call to sacrifice. Because true disciples are willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. And this is a personal decision that each one of us must make in our own life. You may not be plowing with oxen, and there's no prophet named Elijah who is coming up to you with his cloak. But a prophet greater than Elijah has come. His name is Jesus. And he says the following words to every single follower of his, not just to the original 12 disciples. He says to us in Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be a disciple. Now, this is not talking about being disrespectful to your parents or not showing filial piety. But this is about sacrificing your oxen, and burning your plow. This is not just Elijah to Elisha. This is Jesus to you. This is what Jesus is saying to you this very moment. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, when Jesus said, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looked back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What Jesus is talking about here is, Commitment, absolute commitment to him as a disciple. For to be a true disciple of Christ takes radical commitment. The disciples James and John left their father's fishing business, including their hired servants, in order to follow Jesus. They stood to inherit a very lucrative business, yet they still left everything to follow Jesus. Elisha sacrificed all that he had when he followed Elijah, and we must do no less. The question is, are you willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus daily? When Jesus called his disciples, it was also an all-in, no-turning-back call, for the call to discipleship is a call to commit. It requires single-minded, wholehearted commitment and it starts with our priorities. Do we prioritize personal things or do we prioritize God's kingdom? Do you settle for a good job, a nice car, an easy retirement, long vacations, thinking that that is success or do you realize that you have been called so much more? Sadly, many Christians are giving their lives to so many other things that they miss out on the most important thing, to follow Jesus Christ and to help others follow him. The commitment required of you to be a disciple is costly. Elisha knew this would not be easy. But at that moment, he counted the cost and joyfully paid it. This kind of total commitment is key to becoming a disciple. In those six years that Elisha followed Elijah as a disciple, his commitment was often put to the test. For instance, in 2 Kings chapter 2, three times Elijah told Elisha that he was going on a long, difficult journey, first to Bethel, then to Jericho, and then to the Jordan River. Each time, Elisha gave the same response, as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. All three times, Elisha insisted that he wanted to stay with Elijah to follow him wherever he goes. Elisha's success as a disciple is found in this relentless pursuit of his mentor. You know, disciple-making does not only rely on the persistence of the discipler, but it also depends on the pursuing heart of the follower of the disciple. Regardless how good or how expert the mentor is, or how experienced, if the disciple stops following and pursuing, he will never grow. Discipleship is a two-way relationship. It is a journey of togetherness to learn together, to forgive together, to grow together. Notice in 2 Kings chapter 2, from verses 2 to 6, the key word that keeps repeating here is a simple preposition, on. The word on reminds us that discipleship is a process. It is about going on, about moving on. And Elijah is testing if Elisha is really committed to this. He is taking his disciple on to all these great places for him to stay. First, to Bethel. Bethel was the house of God, the place of revelation. Then he took him to Jericho. Jericho is a place of victory. It is a place that Elisha can live comfortably. And then To the fertile Jordan River. The question is Is Elisha willing to go on? Is Elisha willing to move on? He could just say that he wanted to rest, he wanted to wait for the time that he can be the the prophet of God. Now, this is a test of Elisha's level of commitment not to look to his left or to his right, not to turn back. And notice from these verses, the distractions in each of these places. The company of the prophets, the company of prophets, would try to distract Elisha from continuing on with his discipleship. They would persuade him to stay. They would say, you know, Elijah is about to die. No use to continue following him. You know, this is a great place for you to stay. So stay here with us. But each time... Elisha did not allow those distractions to hinder him from following Elijah. He would put them away. He was looking only to his master. To him, it is not about the place. It is about the one who calls you. What a great picture of discipleship here. How about you? Are you looking to Christ? Or... Are you letting the distractions of this world hinder you from moving on in your discipleship journey? If you want to make it in this life as a a disciple, you cannot take your eyes off your master. As for Elisha, he followed Elijah all the way to the end of Elijah's life, even to the very moment when Elijah was taken up to heaven by the chariots of fire. And because of his lifelong commitment, when Elijah was taken away in a whirlwind, his mantle fell on Elisha, and he received a double portion of God's anointing. In fact, Elijah's last miracle, which is the parting of the Jordan River, became Elisha's first miracle. And throughout his ministry, Elisha was able to perform twice as many miracles as those of Elijah. For Elisha to give up everything to follow Elijah, was it worth it? From that very day that Elisha decided to leave everything to follow Elijah, thus begins his ministry that would last for the next 50 years. And over the course of those 50 years, of which Elisha would confront kings and help shape the future of a nation, he would witness miracles. He would provide food for people in need, like the widow's oil. He would resurrect the son of the Shunammite woman. He would even float an ox head on the surface of water. You know, if Elisha has not given himself to be a disciple to Elijah, then he would probably have remained a farmer in his hometown all his life and never performed or witnessed those amazing miracles that have blessed the lives of so many? Did he make the right decision? Well, think again. You can look at his life. Over 50 years from the story we just read, he would see God perform supernatural miracle one after another right in front of his very eyes. Yes, if he had just stayed home, he could have lived a nice normal life and died a nice normal death. On one hand, he could have earned so much money to buy even more oxen, yet he would never have experienced how God would give life to the dead and miraculously bring food to the hungry. So which is the better choice? That's for you to answer. I may not know which choice is better for you but i do know that you will not regret giving your everything your all to god elisha had no idea what god had in store for him when he left behind those 24 oxen it seemed like a big sacrifice but it was nothing compared to what god was calling him to do I submit to you today, brothers and sisters, that nothing this world offers you can compare to what God is calling you to do. So don't settle for worldly pursuits. Don't settle for hollow pleasures and fading possessions. Don't settle for what you so often see around you. Monotonous. Go through the motions, casual Christianity. Brothers and sisters, you have been created for so much more. You have been created to live an eternally significant life. The call to follow Christ is a call to lay aside our pride, our comfort, our convenience, our safety, our preferences, our possessions our reputations, our family, even our very own life to make the life of Christ known in the world around us, no matter what that may cost us. Let me end with this story. I've shared it once before. A century ago, there's a group of missionaries called One-Way Missionaries. They were called One-Way Missionaries because they would purchase single tickets to the mission field without the return ticket. And instead of suitcases, they would pack their few earthly belongings inside coffins. As they sailed out to their mission field, they know they were saying goodbye to everyone they loved, to everything they knew. They know they would probably never return home again. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for an island in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was already packed. It was ready. He surrendered his whole life to follow Christ and to serve him. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe and loved the people. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. That's a life of commitment and complete surrender. Brothers and sisters, The purpose of life is not simply to arrive safely at death. The purpose of life is to go all in and all out for the one who is all in all. And when you do, when you surrender your whole life on the altar, there's no telling what God can do through you. It's all or nothing, now or never. The question is, are you in or are you out? As a response song is being sung, I want you to reflect how committed are you right now in following Christ and I want you to renew your commitment before the Lord today. Tea Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. Thank you for the beautiful picture of discipleship through the prophet Elisha, for the incredible example he has given of what it truly means to be a disciple. Father, examine our heart as we evaluate ourselves. Are we really committed in following Christ? Are we willing to risk it all for your sake and for your kingdom. Father, help us not to follow what the world tells us, that the purpose of our life is to get a great education, put up a successful business, have a great career, make great money, settle down with a great marriage and family. For the purpose of our life is to love a great God and accomplish a great commission. Help us not to cruise through life with a casual, comfortable Christianity, but to constantly remind ourselves that you have called us to so much more, to be your partners in witnessing the amazing things you are doing in people's lives and in our world. Help us to be part of it and not just settle for things that won't last. Yes, the commitment required of us may be costly, but the reward that awaits us is eternal. So may we keep our eyes on you in everything we do, to walk with you in every way. May your Spirit search our heart and help us to identify those things that take first place in our life. Examine our money, our possessions, our stuff, our relationships. Help us to repent of our idolatries, repent of the idols that are now in our heart. Turn our eyes away from the glamour and the glitter of riches in this world to look to the cross. Enable us to die daily, a little more to our pride to our comforts to our successes to our ambitions to our addictions and give us the ability to lay them aside so that we can follow you with our whole heart and find our security in you and not from anything that we have in this life lord may it be our desire to be submitted to you in every moment in every way in our lives in our words and our deeds to trust in you and follow after you with all our heart help us to be an elijah that is all in that is radical and unwavering in our commitment to you and not only to be a committed disciple but be willing to make disciples help us be an elijah to reach out and disciple others as well thank you and we pray this in the name for our lord jesus christ And all of God's people say, Amen. Now let us prepare ourselves to partake of the communion. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of what it means to be a disciple. He is the Son of God, who dwells in perfection with the Heavenly Father. But for your sake, he chose to give up everything, his riches, his comfort, his kingly garments, even his own life. He did not choose to stay in the palaces of kings, but he lived a poor, humble, and ordinary life. He relinquished all his riches, his honor, his glory his possession so that he can be our servant just as elisha chose to become elijah's servant the call to discipleship is a call to choose to sacrifice and to commit jesus did all those for us he completed his mission by giving up his very life on the cross for you and me to pay for our sins so that we may have life everlasting, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Ya. Then he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. To get poised, yung yi quick, so deep a sin yok, din wins by dime siyo anikya, ito si ki yang wa, an kiyong kiyang sa akat lai niya siyo ki yang su. Right now, let us conclude with the Lord's Prayer. You can pray in English or Chinese according to your preference. Now for questions for a reflection and possible action points for the week. First, what are you willing to do in committing to become a disciple of Jesus Christ? What must you give up at this point? And second, what is the most difficult part in your commitment to follow Christ? What are the hindrances in your discipleship journey? For some announcements, First, how does this message apply to you? If you want to be part of a discipleship group or a small group, uh, kindly contact any of the pastoral team members and we will be more than glad to connect you to a group. To continue to give you the opportunity to thank the Lord for all his countless blessings, we will continue to receive your, your New Year Thanksgiving Offering. As of last week, we are only 16% away from our goal for this year. You are not obliged to give, but if it is your prayerful desire to worship God through your offering, please kindly check out our Facebook page as to how you can give. Your generosity allows us to continue to carry on the mission of NMEC. Next, our Bong Un Seniors Ministry has gone online. They will have their Bible study every Wednesday at 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. This will be in Hokkien. Please get in touch with Pastor Phoebe should you desire to join. Our Joshua and Women's Ministry have also gone online this March 16 at 8 p.m. We will have a Bible study video series on YouTube entitled Modeling a Life of Obedience, Part 1. Reverend Elson Lau, the senior pastor of United Evangelical Church of Green Hills, Metro East, will share on the topic Consistent Courage in Tough Times. For our BISPRO ministry, we will conduct a live webinar on March 23 with Brother Daniel Yu, Speaking on QR code payments, please check our Facebook page and Viber group for more details Please reserve the dates April 1st Yes, I'm not joking though. That's April Fool's April 1st at 8 p.m We will come together as a church to have communion to celebrate the events of the Holy Week And for the 4th of April, that's Resurrection Sunday, we will join together to worship uh, through Facebook premiere at 9 a.m. Next, if you have family members, relatives, and friends who are in need of counseling, please get in touch with Pastor Jin Chan to schedule a counseling session. You can visit our Facebook page and make joyful hope for details. If you have kids from 4 to 12 years old, they are welcome to join our Sunday School Kids Worship Online that is being held via Zoom every Sunday starting at 10 a.m. For first-time attendees, kindly register at our Facebook page. Our Engaged Youth Fellowship meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. This is open to those who are 13 to 25 years of age kindly contact Pastors Dani and Jaya for more details. If you have prayer concerns, you can call or text any of the pastoral staff and we will call and pray with you. If you have friends or relatives who prefer to listen to God's Word in Mandarin, we have our Mandarin Worship Service every Sunday at 10 a.m. This is also via Zoom. They also have Bible studies and prayer meetings during weekdays. Please pray for us as we are currently implementing the proper safety protocols so that we can best safely resume our on-site church service. We will keep you posted concerning our reopening plans and procedures in the coming weeks. Lastly, if you wish to know more about New Millennium Evangelical Church, we encourage you to follow our Facebook page, share our posts, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you brothers and sisters for worshipping with us. I pray that the Lord will bless and keep you and may His face continue to shine upon you and may He be gracious to you. May you walk in His goodness and His favor all throughout this week. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and encouragement the holy spirit be upon us all god bless you hope to see you soon remember the best is yet to come